Hi, I'm Gabriel Hart. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. Get on the Drinks with Tony show. Yeah. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Gabriel Hart. His new book is called Fallout from Our Asphalt Hell. Gabriel, how are you? I'm good, Tony. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, uh, you're out in the desert now. How long have you been? How long have you lived in the desert? God, I've been out here. It, actually, October. You know what's so funny? I just realized that just the second the day my book comes out on October 29th is the, would, will be my six year anniversary here. That's when. Yeah, that's when escrow closed and when my little shack out here. And 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 looking back, because because that's a huge move. Because uh, you were in LA for so long, so looking back now after six years, are you like, oh hell yes, great, 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 uh, great decision? Or what? Or what things did you um, what things did you go go? Oh, I didn't expect that. No, uh, well, it's it's still to this day. I mean, no matter what happens out here, it's still the best decision I've ever ever made. Like hands down. I mean, I could have the worst shit happen to me out here, and I'm still just like looking at the stars every night just really grateful to to have made that move it was a really manic i'd I'd say it was a pretty manic overnight decision i made but um it's the best (laughs) the best manic overnight decision i I made and and yeah i just um yeah i you know every time i go back to la i just the second i see those those skyscrapers in downtown la i just might i just start tensing up and everything it's just I, i 20 years was just way way too um more than enough time for me and i just i i was sort of i think just my i don't know certain parts of me were just outgrowing what i came to that why i moved to that city in the first place you know what i mean but it was definitely i mean god it was an absolute experiment me moving out here but um i yeah i thank god every day that i did it's just um if i'm ever i always say this if i'm ever in a bad mood i just walk outside and i'm just instantly reminded what you know, whatever problem I'm having is, is, um, you know, petty compared to, you know, uh, you feel small out here, which is really, it's, it's humbling. It's constantly humbling, but not in a, um, not in like a, you know, way that would beat you down, but you're just, you realize you're part of, you're part of this landscape that's bigger than you yourself and your problems. And, um, it just, it instantly just puts everything in immediate snapback perspective. Okay. You sold me. (laughs) <laughs> you just got there's a new neighbor really, there's this really funny article in the times in the la times right now it's like all all these families that moved out here to you know during the pandemic to escape the you know the city of the pandemic and they're all like um you know they're all kind of regretting it like like you know they're all like moved out here with their families and then you know the, the article is basically making the argument like oh they the Instagram version of the desert is nothing like actually really living here. And it's, it's true. I mean, it could be, it could be brutal out here, but yeah. And it's not for everyone. And, and like, yeah, people I've known tons, you know, not tons, but like a handful of people that moved out here and, and have gone running back to LA. Cause it, you, you need to just, you need to really like leave behind whatever LA persona you had before a big city persona and just um start anew you know and yeah like when i moved out here i just felt yeah like all that armor just kind of completely came off and i i kind of had to meet myself all over again you know but it was really it was it was um it was scary but kind of invigorating at the same time 
and I, that's yeah, I I got to read that article. It's but it's interesting that probably those LA people were coming out there and going, we're bringing we're bringing LA culture and LA vibe to the desert. You know, oh, people, yeah, people try to do that, and it's so funny. It's like it's so it sticks out like a sore thumb. I mean, well, you you <laughs> we always say up here, you can always tell the tourists because they're um, the tourists come dressed like cowboys because they think that that's what that's what everyone dresses like here and um but yeah just all all sorts of all sorts of big city attitudes kind of infiltrated the serenity here and it's it's a bummer but i'm also i'm also trying to not be such a um such a get off my lawn kind of guy i mean there's there's room out here for all of us, you know what I mean? It's, um, but you really, you really have to know what you're doing coming, coming out here. And you can't, you can't just, um, you know, see, see a couple photos and ask a couple locals what they think, because it'll be, it's a different experience for everybody here. I mean, it's the, the weather here is, is brutal. We, you know, people often aren't prepared for the, the freezing cold winters we have. And it's, um, yeah, it could, it could take a lot out of you. Do you have, do you have a fireplace uh, where you live? I do remember. I think the last time, uh, the last time. I oh yeah, show, I, we did it in front of the fireplace. That's yeah. right. It was so cool. Yeah. Oh, a fireplace when it's brutally cold is like the best thing ever. Yeah, it's the best. But yeah, it's. I mean, it's super. Yeah, the pandemic. I, I guess you know. I'll admit it was a little. Um, it was a little trying out here. I I actually really lucked out. I think I told you last time I was on. I really lucked out before, right before the pandemic. I got put on workers comp. So I got to completely, I injured myself at work really bad. This kind of accumulative neck injury. Um, and I'm still actually going through it, but the good news is that I, right when the pandemic started is when it happened. Um, and I, I just, I've been just writing th- this whole time for Jesus, almost two, two years. I just, I get up and write and uh, yeah, just try to heal from this, this whole thing. That you know, like the one question I had in mind when I was like, okay, I, I gotta ask Gabe how he's how he's how he's like pounding out so much, and you just answered it. Yeah, so all I needed was all I needed was that time. You know what I mean? It's is it I'm so I had to get hurt in order, and I still. So what happened is just working at grocery stores all my life basically gave me what appears to be this like arthritis in my neck where I just can't, I, I'm, there's times where, yeah, like I have a hard time holding my head up and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's unfortunate. I had to get hurt in order for this to happen, but I'm so grateful. I mean, I, I can deal with all the pain and discomfort as long as I I'm able to write, you know, it's a real dreamy, um, couple of years, you know, to be honest. It, it's it, it it's such a great because like i would think with tragedy and with um with things that are hard that we're getting through man when we get through them like when we find that little opening and we go oh wait that this is i this is the next chapter and yeah. and there's almost gratitude for like the bad stuff because it's just like oh i wouldn't have gotten here if i didn't get that kick down you know it's i it oh yeah no complete completely and i can't i just feel like i can't get mad about anything anymore because whatever 
whatever forces led for me, me getting injured at work and me basically getting to write all day is just, I'm so, I'm so grateful for it. So yeah. And like the book, so fallout from my, our asphalt hell, that's a lot of, a lot of short stories that I've basically written actually a lot during 2020, I think maybe like 75% of the stories are from, are from that time. So it's sort of, yeah, it's kind of a neat little time capsule. Oh, as opposed good. to like a, a longer, you know, novel project on, but I'll, actually I, I worked on a novel during that time too. So that was, yeah, I would basically just flog. I was so grateful. I was, I would just flog myself if I wasn't writing, you know, cause I didn't know when, how long the opportunity would be there, you know? And I know yeah. some people just completely would kill for this. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a writing retreat. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I found it. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, I found it harder to write because uh, when pandemic hit, and that's because I just I've had my routine for so long of, you know, uh, print all the pages out that I worked on, go to the cafe in the morning, red line, red line, red line, rewrite new scenes, sure. uh, co- bring the coffee to the matinee, go see a matinee, uh-huh. <laughs> come back to the, the. I just I had this little routine. All of a sudden, it's like. Oh, no more coffee shops and no more matinees. And then I was just like, oh, I really kind of need to be out in the world to yeah. produce more. It's so, I don't know what it is. I need the, um, so many people are like, oh my God, it must be great for you. And I'm like, no, 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 I got a routine. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I, I, people, I, you know, I, and I like, now I can go to a cafe and some idiots talking loud on the cell phone and I want him to die like the scum he is. And that makes me yeah. happy. <laughs> little yeah little, little burst of adrenaline here and there right and i'm like oh my god i've missed this so much i've missed this feeling of anger so much <laughs> oh god i feel like yeah it's weird i'm you know i'm going to new york in november and i'm like nervous about it like and i've been in new york plenty of times but i've all of a sudden i feel like this this country this wide-eyed country bumpkin like going to the big going to the big city for the first time like what's gonna happen to me you know <laughs> yeah it'll be It'll be a trip. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, I, it's well, LA and New York just run so much differently. It just, just, yeah, it's, sure. uh, it's kind. I, I kind of, I, you know, I love LA and I feel at home in LA, but there's something about New York where I feel like, um, I feel like it fits me a little more. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I but I haven't, I haven't, yeah, I haven't been there in the dead of winter or the or the the heat of the monumental August summer. I've been there in the spring and fall. So I say that that way and I'm sure I'd be running my little wimpy ass tail back to LA the, the minute there was the, the three months of winter. And I'm like, all right, I'm out. Right. Right. I'm trying to think of things I miss about LA. I mean, I totally miss my friends. Obviously I, I love, you know, I love just being able to, I miss, or I miss the opportunity to just call everyone and just, you know, meet at a bar or something. I, you have to really plan stuff out. Um, I live ba- like 10 miles from, from Joshua Tree. Most of my friends are there. I've got a couple friends here in Moraga Valley, but you really have to plan stuff out and make it, um, you know, really make it count rather than just like a, you know, spur of the moment hang. But I do miss, I'd really miss movies. I really miss like the option of like being able to see whatever movie I wanted to see. Our, our movie theater up here in Yucca Valley just, just shut down. Our one movie theater here didn't make it through the pandemic. So oh. that was a like I just want to watch. I know it's good. It's bad, but I just want to watch the the new Halloween and like our shitty like stuck in the '80s movie theater up here and just have that whole like CD experience, you know? 
with, yeah. with, the, with the bad like local commercials with like the same narrator like 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 <laughs> it's really it's a it's an experience but yeah couldn't couldn't hang Bummer. Like, like it's such an old commercial. Like everyone's smoking in it, and the, yeah. and, the dude, and the and the and the and the executive or the, whoever is like patting a girl's ass and see it, saying like, <laughs> if you smoke this, then you'll get this too. Right, right. <laughs> oh man, the um, where did you live before LA? Um, so I'm an Orange County kid. Oh, okay. Was, you know, that's it's such a it, it's such a trip for me because I because I'm from coming up from the Bay Area. I, you know, Orange County and LA were the same thing to me until I came down here. And then I realized how different it is. And oh, yeah. Yo, yeah. Completely. Yeah. The orange curtain might as well be an iron curtain. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. I, and actually, I lived, I lived for four, year, four or five years in Fairfield, Iowa. We were part of, um, I'm sure we, you and I've talked about that. We were part of the whole Maharishi transcendental meditation cult out there. Yeah. 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 So we, your, your family yeah, we, was yeah so we moved out there when i was really young and yeah but we came running back to california with our tails between our legs it was it was a it was a yeah un, a bizarre experience i mean looking back it was kind of a unique experience but yeah don't let uh david lynch's uh whole thing um convince you that it's not a cult because it absolutely is Oh, the transcendental meditation, just the TM yeah. part of it is too. Right. Yeah. I mean, med- meditation is, is great. You know, I still, I still meditate, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, just that, that whole, that whole, anytime someone tells you like, this is, you know, I'm sure you can agree coming from a religious background too, is when anytime anyone tells you like, this is the only way to do something that should be really universal and, and more, um, instinctual and personal you know it's, it's you shouldn't just shouldn't trust them really and they also because i i've you know there's all these celebrities that advocate tm too like um you got me all choked up man like uh like like even seinfeld's all about it and um well yeah they go after the celebrities like any cult is going to go after celebrities first you know Right. And I don't know if they have to change their behaviors or what happens, but <clears throat> it does seem like you got to pay a lot of mon- money to get a mantra. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And yeah, it's and the, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's and it's just a sound. It's just a syllable. You, I think you could you could utter anything in your mind. And as long as it's it's calming and as long as it's on a loop, it's going to it's going to take you there and you're you're going to transcend any, any word sounds weird and transcendent if you say if you say it enough you know it and that yeah even you know it's like <clears throat> that's the way i hate it when someone takes something good and then does a little tweak on it right. and then it and then it but what, like what is it after the getting the mantra what is it that brings like a family like yours out to iowa um what, how does it get to that step Um, I think, I think it's just because of the time and place, like it came out of the hippie movement and I think Maharishi, you know, and you'll, you'll see picture of him, pictures of him with the Beatles and, you know, the Rolling Stones, I think he went after and, you know, he had a statutory rape thing with Mia Farrow. It's like he, that was a big, every, all those people were really orbiting around him. So I think, I think my, can I just say, can I just say the irony of the Mia Farrow thing? (laughs) Oh Yeah. Sorry, I mean, I, I'm on, I'm on, uh, I'm on team. Don't believe her. <laughs> but, oh, really? 
Oh shit, that's that's really interesting. Oh really? Yeah, about, I've about, never I've, I've never heard that that uh, that argument before about um, about Woody molesting the kid. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it just. I've it, never heard. I've never heard. I've never heard a convincing counter argument, like like for like a pro Woody Allen argument. Oh, interesting. So here's my here's my take on it. And this is what I thought of it at the time was. I mean, he's don't get me wrong. He's done some very. He's done a lot of things where you go, not so cool, dude. Uh, right. <laughs> but but when you when you come when it comes to molesting someone who's seven years old and your kid. Mm-hmm. That's got to be a pat. That's not that. That's like next level. That's like um, that's a that's a disease. That's like a bad bad disease. Right. And right. and um and I just don't think I don't think he's capable of it because there was only one incident and the incident sounds so coached and Mia was yeah. Mia has even been um called out for coaching her kids about it and then um and it's just it, it the so my so what i see <laughs> from my insider viewpoint <laughs> well, you know I, I i shouldn't even be talking about this but but in my in my in my in my little head of the limited research i have on it from national inquirer magazine um and other tabloids is that uh is um there was a, it's, I feel like it's really bad to um, that. Th- I think there was coaching it, the, the, and all the facts about it are he went up into an attic. Mm-hmm. He, the, the time, the, the time that he was supposed to do it was when they were in separation mode and he hadn't seen his daughter in a long time. Right. And then he got out there and then he, the family, he was alone with her for like 10 minutes. So he brought her straight up to an attic, attic because boy, you know, isn't this a great time to fulfill this desire? And, and then it's just like, or not desire, but a disease. And then, um, and he's, he's in a separation dispute and things are like awful between them already. And then he comes and brings her back down and pretends like everything's fine. It just, nothing adds up on those facts. Yeah, I don't know. I'm convinced. Uh, I'm convinced that he's that he's guilty. And and yeah, yeah, no, it's and, some kind of need some kind of help. Wait, I, wait. I'm sorry. Wait, whose side are you on? <laughs> I'm, I'm confused. So, oh, so with um, okay, so with Dylan. So yeah, <laughs> we're, we're like Siskel. We're like Siskel and Ebert talking about a movie, but this is real people's lives. It's really sad, but at the I same time, I think it's interesting. So yeah. Um, so I don't think Woody Allen did anything inappropriate to Dylan. Mm, yeah, I don't know. I, I but let's let let let's hear your. Uh, let's, so I give so I give Woody Allen a, a thumb sideways. Well, okay. First of all, I should I should back up, and I don't I don't want to. You know, I, may, I mentioned, how did we get here? I mentioned I mentioned I mentioned my our cult leader had a statutory rape thing with Mia Farrow. And oh, I, right, right. And I, but I, I don't, as much as I'm sort of embittered by that experience and think the whole thing is basically a sham. I don't, I don't want to lead people wrong and saying it was a dangerous, that that was happening all over the place. You know what I mean? I think he, but I do think it was like a drunk on power kind of thing. And he, yeah, the, all the money it cost to, to join. And there, there was a hierarchy, you know, people would actually have, um, you know, it got really competitive, like, you know, everyone arguing who, who was more enlightened than the other, than the next guy, people. 
and there was like these i mean it was like it was like it was like scientology but not there wasn't anything dangerous about it just it's just a little bit more sad i guess because and roping you in because there's there's an element of uh, I'm I don't know I'm doing this better than you and you should come up to our level if yeah. and if you're not getting it then you have a problem. Yeah, Fun, fundamentally they 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 have really good points. You know, it's all about group consciousness and and um, tapping tapping into you know the collective spirit and all that. I mean, their, their their motto is like heaven bringing heaven to earth, basically heaven on earth. You know, and people but people just interpreted that in all kinds of crazy ways. And I think what attracted my parents and my family to it is like, so coming out of the sixties, like everyone was just looking for the next big thing. Like, where are we going? We're coming down off drugs. Our, our judgment is totally impaired. Like, so, you know, of course you see this sort of mystical looking dude, you know, Maharishi and, you know, his words are like gospel all of a sudden, because it, he had that momentum. He had that momentum from everyone kind of coming down, off 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 the high of the the 60s basically and and just just like any drug not wanting to lose lose that so so through the 80s i think is where it was really maybe at its strongest they called and they called it the movement too it was like very there was all these very cultish terms um that they that they used and uh yeah just i mean my dad still thinks still insists he saw people flying you know, like hovering above the ground and everything while they were meditating. And, you know, maybe, maybe he did see that, who knows, but there a lot of just, um, all I can remember is we, in 1989, we came running back to California. Like we couldn't, we couldn't wait to come back. And, and we, I remember it feeling like a mistake. Like we, not like a, a waste of time, but like, we'll never do that again. Like we're broke. We, we went broke basically. And it gave me that whole experience. just gave me a very weird attitude towards money like like being being poor like imagine being poor in the in the middle of the winter in the midwest and not knowing like if we're going to be out on the street that whole thing just gave me the just a very kind of paranoid uh relationship with money and just never never taking anything for granted because you don't know if you're going to ever see it again kind of thing yeah i you know i mean i get that too with the jehovah's witnesses the relationship with money is you know, money's the root of all evil. Um, you can only be happy under under Jehovah. If you're happy outside of Jehovah, that's Satan taking it from, you know, all right. this stuff I'm talking about with my therapist on again on Wednesday. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh man. The um by the way, you got out of the Woody Allen conversation really well there. Right? That was- <laughs> I and, and and it's like part of me is like, oh man. Yeah, it's just it's it, that's such a weird. It's I just find it all very strange. But it's um, yeah. Anyway, we but you did right. You did great on that. We don't have to go back to it. That's all. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 all my opinions are not formulated on on. I mean, so you know, there's some facts in there, but my you know, I, I you know why why even discuss all of this and what right. what if and if I am wrong, then then what a horrible person I am. <laughs> Uh, even as a kid i don't even as a kid i remember him just creeping me out or something being really repellent about him and maybe that's just kid stuff but who knows i don't know oh interesting when i see when i saw him as a kid um on on the movies i was like i was like oh he's like 
he's talking about stuff way above me. He's really intelligent. That's what intelligent right. people do. So, right. But yeah, it's it's funny. It's funny what we take from like being young kids. Like 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 um, I remember getting a suicidal tendencies first record, and that like totally just mind. Oh, I remember like, that moment. Yeah, change change my life, you know. And yeah, then completely, completely. Yeah, and then and then like you know, not to kind of dirt on suicidal tendencies, but the second album, the third album, and then after, and then like, and then I've seen. Well, like, they went metal. You, you you were kind of at that age where you're all like, "Am I supposed to like this?" You know, right. like all these chucka chucka chucka. You know, it, it sounded cool on the first record, but then yeah, like the production just went full full metal and stuff. I don't know. I I tried to make the that transition, but it was tough. That first record is just so so pissed, so pissed. Yeah. I and still love it. I know piece. every lyric to it. I mean, I, I, we, I, we could sing it together right now. Acapella, probably. <laughs> yeah. I remember just growing up, I never got to see them, but I just remember hearing like all these, all these crazy um, stories from the suicidal shows. Someone got stabbed at the suicidal show. And, you know, my older friends just like passing these stories down I me, mean, just like being terrified of them, but, but couldn't get enough of them at the same time. Right. The legend, the legendary yeah. stuff that, like when did you start uh, go, going up to Los Angeles or, or were they coming down to the OC and, and playing down there too? Um, that's a good question. I, we started, God, I remember it was, it would, would have been the second incarnation of the Hong Kong cafe in the, in the very early nineties when, when LA was just starting to really pop off again. We, we were teeny, we were probably like 15, 16. We would, God, there would be like, eight of us piling into a Volkswagen bug to go up to the Hong Kong cafe to go to punk shows there. And those were, yeah, that was, and LA just looked like LA looked so post-apocalyptic at around that time. There was like no one out, you know what I mean? You felt like a real, you felt like a real outlaw walking around. You know what I mean? Like the early days of the jabber and everything. You're just like, where the fuck are we? This is so cool. You know? But yeah, but scary at the same time. And there was a kind of a thrill with that too. I remember going to San Francisco as a kid because we were in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, but the thing about the Volkswagen bug, you can get eight people in a Volkswagen bug. Oh, yeah. If two sit in the back, if there's exactly. two on the floorboards. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There, there's heads and laps and yeah. Yeah. All sorts, all sorts of stuff. stuff that would get like anybody pulled over these days. <laughs> just like, yeah. yeah wasting yeah yeah that was funny because like now i uh, once in a while i'll go down the youtube rabbit hole and see like uh suicidal tendencies and i'll be like oh man that's a shame he never did anything good after that. yeah <laughs> but not not speaking of music the great jail weddings you got you have a new record are you you guys been working on a new record uh, I mean, kind. Well, let's see. Are, are the last one came out in. Wait, hold on, hold on. You sound you you sound uncomfortable. Let's go back to the Woody no, Allen. No, let's go back no, to the no. Woody Allen discussion. <laughs> no, not at all. I just, <laughs> no, it's. I'm total. No, I love I love Joe Weddings. It's just um yeah. The last record came out in 2019. We got to tour for it, and it was a good tour, and we got to play out in the desert finally. And um, but yeah, it, the pandemic just really. Uh, yeah we just had like we had a jail weddings practice two two weeks ago we have a new drummer that's fucking amazing jack jack chandelier and um but yeah so i'm just i'm slowly putting it back together but i swear the the pandemic just did did something 
like to me with music like especially the summer of 2020 with all the with all the social upheavals going on it's it, i was just like like i was just writing all the time i was so content and i was just like fuck man the last the last thing i want to do right now is be like a white guy peacocking around on stage you know what i mean like yeah, I just, yeah. it sounded like the most repellent thing to me and i it took me a really it took me a really long time to to just maybe get past it. I mean, I still think that I, I feel like when jail weddings reemerges, it's going to be, it's going to be a completely different vibe. Like I, especially since I'm injured now, I, you know, I won't be flailing around like, like I used to, you know, I, who knows what it'll be like, but I, jail wedding is one of those things that can always be around even when it's not around. You know what I mean? I'm just, I got so, yeah, I was having so much existential crisis, I guess, just with music compared to writing. I was, um, when I was having all that time to think and write, I was just like, God damn, this is like such an, a better <laughs> in so many, many ways, just like a better use of my time and energy. I, and I hate, I feel so guilty saying that because I love music, but like shit, like how, how much of music is spent waiting. Yeah. Like think, think about that. Like how much of music is spent not doing the thing like not actually doing the thing it's it's actually crazy if you think about it like it's it makes me feel crazy to think about it so yeah the, the, i'm trying to reconstruct it to where i'm just using the best of everyone's time um the drummer the drummer's in palm springs so him and i can can rehearse and stuff but yeah i just i really want everyone to kind of live their lives and we'll, we'll come together when it just makes sense and and yeah i think we'll just release singles you know not do some huge you know conceptual record for for a while i'm just i'm having too much i'm too having too much uh fun writing and just it's it for for right now it's just a lot more gratifying to me i mean the, the whole music the whole music paradigm has of course changed so much over the decade over the last decade you know it's obviously harder to sell records now and it's actually easier to sell books than it than it used to be i think for a while i think especially with like bookshop.org i you know i was like selling books during the whole pandemic and it was so rad just going going to the post office every day and just doing these mail orders by myself and, and um just knowing that my work was already done and just me me putting a, a book in the mail you know now now it's in the reader's hands there, there's something something just so so um satisfying about that it's so tactical i remember doing that with um you know this is oh man I, it's been so long but i put out some chat books you know oh, yeah. and it was just and getting those orders and mm -hmm. then it's just like you got the stack of stuff going to the mailbox and you feel kind of like a god yeah oh for <laughs> sure for sure hold on to that feeling because that doesn't it's there's no telling how long that'll be around for you know but that stack might dwindle over the years you know right yeah or yeah exactly the um yeah, it's, it, I and I try to get that feeling back too after you know doing other stuff that I thought would would be the um, you know <laughs> I'd be like oh it's, it's going to get so much better than this it's, you know back at the time I'm like I'm schlepping my schlepping my wares to the post office <laughs> can't wait till I get an agent and then and then it's just like then all that other stuff happens it's like oh I had more joy back then <laughs> oh it's 
it just reminded me of this time last last year when I was I, so I had shoulder surgery and I was healing from shoulder surgery. Of course, it's this other neck thing now. But anyway, I was like I was in a sling and all I was wearing was like this blue robe last year. I just couldn't I couldn't really change. <laughs> it was hard for me to change my clothes because. So anyway, but I it was at that time where I was selling what what book would I guess um, a return to spring. I, I put out this little this little novelette last yeah. year and it was actually selling really well and i i was so i was taking a lot of pride of going to the post office and um and i <laughs> so i was i was taking some painkillers at the time because i just gotten out of surgery and i was just get, getting a little too um stoked on the idea like oh i can't drive but what if i just walked to the post office so moraga valley is about five five seven miles wide well, like, yeah, you know, I'll just walk to the post office. And uh, it was just, so I, I'm wearing my robe, holding, holding the stack of, of packages and the sun's beating down on me. And I, and then I'm all like, this is taking a really fucking long time. And I, and keep in mind what this looks like. I'm a guy in flip-flops in a robe in a cast on the side of the highway 62 i look like a fucking crazy person and then i look at my watch i'm all like fuck it's almost four they're gonna close so so now so now i'm a guy run in a cast in a blue robe in flip-flops running to the post office like i look fucking insane and i get there like one minute to spare and, and it was so perfect that this girl, Amanda, that works there, we always would have really intense political discourse. She was a Trump supporter and stuff. And I would always. And uh, essentially, I, she's I, wrong. But go ahead. <laughs> I get there. I get there. And, and I'm sweating, looking like a fucking crazy person. She's all like, Gabe, are you OK? I'm like, <gasps> no, no. she's all, can I give you a ride home? I'm all like, yes, yes. I was like so grateful, but you know, it was like one of those moments where I'm just like, no matter how much you kind of argue with someone about this, all this shit going on in the world, like keep, keep them kind of close at the same time. Cause you never know, like when you're going to need them for something really, you know, practical like that, you know, it's- well, and, and that, and there's a beauty to that story because there is human compassion and empathy deep-seated inside of us so when we yeah. someone when we see someone in danger we don't go wait what 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 flag are they wearing yeah no, it, sure. it goes immediately to what what do you what do we need to do you know it's, and there's, sure. there's so much beauty in that i've had i've had a lot of those moments out here in the desert you know i have i obviously have my my own views and stuff but but on a on just like a neighbor level it's like fuck we gotta we gotta help each other out when we we need to you know some some of my best neighbors are, the, are people that i would never have thought would have been my best neighbors you know it's it's a trip so yeah it's i think bringing yeah stuff down to the to like a more human level like that is really important the um and then at the same time you know after surgery which is just the healing of surgery itself is almost a hallucination and then you got to take painkillers and that's so yeah, it's the brain gets, you know, just, just even with that much pain management, the brain takes like a new level of um, oh, yeah. decision-making it's uh, sure. yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah, it was, I'm not going to lie. It was really, 
nice having like medical sanctioned painkillers and writing all day. It's like the stuff just, uh, you know, for better or worse, just flies, just flies right out, you know, when you're on that stuff. I feel, then, guilty. I feel guilty saying that, but it's just like a, it's a undisputable truth. But at the same time, there's a point where I think where it, um, where it, then it, it, it like it, it hits a, it hits the cliff and then it's, and then it makes everything worse. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And you, and then, and then you come back to it the next day and you're like, what the fuck was I, you know, then the editing, the, yeah. the editing really, really comes on. I used to, you know, years ago, I used to be like, I, I have to write drunk. You know, there was, there would, I would never you write. To, you have to do what? Write when oh, I was drunk. drunk. Oh yeah. I've never been able to do that. Yeah, that's that was that's how I ran, and then I realized I was one pushing down feelings, and two, uh, that's the only way I can get through my guilty feelings of of writing. But um, but then there there was a switch, and I don't even remember when it was. This was years ago, even when I was in San Francisco, and even when I was drinking way too much there. But there was a switch where I realized, oh, I have to write sober. I I and it, I remember that moment too. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, and that's that's honestly how I prefer writing is is completely sober. Actually, that's another thing I gotta say. Like the, with the pandemic, that was that I went there completely. I I knew so many people that just went super overboard, like with the booze and stuff. And I I'm really thankful that I I kind of went the opposite direction because I there was a point. Yeah, there was actually a point where I was stranded at my house. I, the, so the mice, the mice eat your cars out here in the desert. It's a big problem. The field mice go into your engine and they, they eat, they eat your wires, I think, cause they're soy based or something. Mm. So yeah, I was, I was in lockdown and I was healing from surgery and I was stranded <laughs> and I just, I like went hog wild down at the liquor store and got wasted just cause I didn't know what else to do. And then I woke up with just the, the worst, the worst hangover monumental hangover and I couldn't write and I just I beat the crap out of myself about it and that was sort of like this decision I made like okay I can't I can't I can't be doing doing this every day even though I have the time to do it and the freedom to do it I can't I can't be doing this so yeah I've I've made a rule for myself to write to write sober yeah oh that, that yeah yeah for, it's yeah I don't know um I, I can't remember when the shift for me was, but it was, I just knew that I had, I had to be there in the uncomfortable feelings. I think maybe that's probably why we don't write that, that it's easier to write when we're drinking. Cause it's uncomfortable to sit down to a blank page. It's uncomfortable to, it's not, a, it's, it's not an, it doesn't, it, in the end, in the grand scheme of things, it's kind of not normality. And then, so maybe that's the reason why it, it brings the discomfort down and then, after a while for me, I'm just like, Oh, I'm totally uncomfortable, but I know this feeling. So I just do it anyway. Yeah. I can like when I wrote, when I wrote virgins in reverse and the intrusion, I, you know, I was really green and I, you know, I was, I would have a bottle of Jameson. And I would pour myself shots while I was drinking, but then I was just like, it got, it worked. And then it didn't, you know, then I would, and I just feel like, yeah, something, God, what was it that Tom, Tom Waits said when he got, and I still drink, I, I, but I keep it like a novelty these days. Like I'll drink, you know, two or three times a month now, but Tom, Wade said something really profound when he went sober, he said something to the effect of like, I used to think getting, getting drunk made, 
any experience more genuine and more sincere, but in a way it does the complete, it actually has the complete opposite effect, you know? And I find, I kind of find a lot of truth in that. I, I think one thing I realized being in the pandemic and being sober through most of it was like, oh shit, I'm, I'm actually like a really shy person. And I kind of, I started, um, yeah, just kind of coming to terms with that again. And like, oh, that's why I drink because of big crowds and stuff. And now that I don't have the big crowds, I don't really need to drink, you know? Yeah. So I, I save it for, for big crowd situations. <laughs> Everyone needs a little coping mechanism. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the social anxiety, even it's, well, I used, I mean, you know, I used to be severely agoraphobic and then I went through so much work. And then as we, and then the, um, as we were getting out of the pandemic, this was probably about four or five months ago, I was having a real crisis going back to a little bit of normal. Right. Um, oh, sure. And I, cause you know, the worst thing you can do to someone who has to kind of have tools every day to, to overcome the agoraphobia is put them in a room. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And then it's just like, so, uh, but I went back to therapy like immediately for that. I didn't think I was, it's, it's just this weird loop tape loop that goes, Oh, you're never getting out of this. Oh, I yeah. got you oh, again. Yeah. Oh, I got you. <laughs> and then, uh, and it's, um, and it, it's really scary, but then there's, you know, then there's those little baby steps where you're like, Oh, wait a second. I would have been terrified to do blank. And now, that's not terrified that's just anxious and yeah. oh, it's just oh god thank you anxiety right right yeah like what when did we kind of start opening up again in like may like i i was going to a couple of readings and stuff and i was just like oh fuck that's right i'm shy i forgot i'm shy and i would like i was tripping myself out like i'd walk up to people and i'd like kept covering my mouth and i'm like why am i covering my mouth because yeah. i don't want I'm shot like am I gonna smile or yeah it was like this weird it's this weird new tick I have where I'm just like or maybe it's just like <laughs> I'm so used to the face mask that I just want right. to cover up what like what I'm really thinking around people I don't know it's weird or maybe yeah maybe it's polite maybe you don't want to you know spit on them and stuff maybe I don't know I, I think it was more of just like a yeah I don't know. Maybe you're you're having unprotected sex with a stranger but you're covering your mouth <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just it's it's so lovely, and I, I can't wait to see you uh, next Thursday. It's just gonna be I'm just like, oh yes. Oh, that lineup is so good too. Like some of my favorite writers are gonna be reading that night. We might have we might have a surprise guest too that would read after me and kind of seeing seeing if it's it'll work out. But yeah, might cool. Be a Did I I read your virgins and. Uh, reverse party right there I think. Yeah, yeah 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 that was a blast that was that, that was, was oh yeah wasn't it it was pouring rain right was we oh yes because we were supposed to be outside and then we ended yeah. up inside yeah, but everyone insane. in the cafe is just like why are you interrupting us with your <laughs> words on a mic yeah that was weird <laughs> but that yeah we we made uh we made some lemonade that day yeah and that's when tax was still uh open that because we met we met there and we taped drinks with tony and then we walked over that's to right. stories that's right that yeah, was beautiful yeah, that was fun. And your buddy's coming. Is your buddy coming out from uh, Space Boy? Oh, I, I forget his name. Um, oh, Space Cowboy John Paul. Um, he yeah. no, he's kind of he's he has to keep the um, bookstore open, and he's he's being really um, he's being really cautious about um, 
about live stuff these days. So I, yeah, he's, yeah, he's going to, and, and he's, he's not, uh, I don't think he's fond of coming to LA like, like I am. Um, but um, he's actually reading me with me the next night at the Mojave Noir thing on the, on the 29th. So that'll be cool. He, he wrote some really cool uh, cyber uh, cyberpunk piece. He's a big sci-fi guy. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, he was, cause he read the same night that we all did. Yeah. He was a, he was an interesting guy. That was the yeah, only time I've cool. ever met him, but I was just like, that guy's cool. Yeah. John Paul is one of my best friends, one of my oldest best friends. So I'm really glad to have him up here. Oh, how, how did you get, was he always in the desert or did, or did you guys no, know each we, other? We moved, we've known each other since we were teenagers. We've like kind of been through it all together. Um, huh. I know he, we, he moved, we moved up here at the same time, but totally independent of each other, like within the same month. So, so yeah, he's looking, I think he just passed his six year mark last month. Wow. And he's, and he put a bookstore out right by Joshua tree. What a cool well, thing yeah. to do. It's, it's the it's the coolest bookstore yeah it's space cowboy books it's it's primarily sci-fi but he he sells a little bit of everything there but it's um yeah it's amazing it's he, he everyone thought he was crazy when he was you know said he was going to open up a sci-fi store in the, you know right in that area but it's turned into a, a total um yeah total you know intelligentsia magnet it's cool yeah yeah yeah, yeah. until intel intelligence you know the first time i heard the term intelligentsia was uh when I went to LA and found out about the cafe on sunset intelligence. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I went there and I'm like, this is way too, I, you know, I, I'm like, I was like, Oh, cool. That'd be a cool place to write, but it's just way too interesting. And people just, there's way it's, there's a, there's a kind of like, let's look at each other kind of thing. And I, I have to write up boring places. So I found a coffee bean instead to write, you know, <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> more, a little more covert, like, yeah. yeah. I, I just like it because everyone was just cool there. They were all every everyone there was a writer and very successful. And I'm like, I got to go somewhere where there's a um where the, there's a guy kind of screaming in the corner about uh, UFOs. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Did and did you, you used to commute into LA for for um? Didn't you have band practice like once a week or twice a week? Yeah, first... I was. Kind of, I I hate driving now it's a little difficult for me to drive with my injury but um yeah i was taking the bus and i figured out you know taking the amtrak down there for like 20 bucks each way it's kind of a big hack i figured out and that was it was beautiful i was just reading read and write for the two hours was that on greyhound or amtrak uh amtrak yeah amtrak has a bus yeah they so yeah the bus would pick me up in palm springs and then i would it would take me to fullerton then i would take the amtrak train to oh okay but yeah, and then now we have Flixbox, Flixbus too that picks you up from Palm Springs. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, the dots are being connected, and it's further becoming uh, LA's backyard now that we have more uh, more direct transportation, public transportation. It's kind of cool. Oh, I'm such a I, I you know it's even the when you know back and forth to from San Francisco um, to LA when I, I would take bolt bus and it would be, it was like $5 back when $5 was like, Oh, oh my God, I need, I need a $5 one way ticket. You, you do it. You book it for, for uh, you book it enough in advance. And it was like 10 bucks round trip to San Francisco. And it's just like, and you get out in this, you know, you get out of a truck stop halfway. Oh yeah. Have a button willow or something. Right? <laughs> it's like, you know, everyone goes and gets junk food and you're like, oh, is, yeah. there, is there a piece of lettuce anywhere in this? <laughs> oh man, you're giving, you're giving me road lust right now. <laughs> I really, I really want to go on a road trip really bad. Yeah. 
Yeah, I guess maybe uh, New New York will have to suffice for now. Yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, hey, uh, Gabe, I apologize for all the wood you talk. <laughs> oh no, 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 I don't know why I went there. People, I'm gonna people are gonna like unfriend me on Facebook. I'm sure in a couple <laughs> weeks. They're just gonna be like, wait, he's pro Woody, and then it's just like click. No, it's kind of amazing. It's the first. It's the first pro pro Woody argument. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's you know I'm not pro Trump. I it just uh, you know should I clarify all my alliances? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good on everything else. It's just the Woody. <laughs> you're probably you're you're obviously a big Woody Allen fan, right? So so you can, it's when you're when you're a fan of someone you could kind of justify anything i mean how how many <laughs> justifying molestation <laughs> well no i mean i'm i'm using there, there's a very american i i just i wrote this piece um for punk noir when when phil Spector passed away and i kind of touched on this it's like it's a very american thing you know to we we sort of venerate horrible people in this country and you know like phil specter there's you know he, he he's a murderer and like how many how many celebrity murderers do we do we have under our belt now you know it's 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 crazy so it's i think it's a very very american cognitive dissonance relationship that we have with our with our um with our bad celebrities i think it's really it's fascinating but you gotta you gotta kind of call i'm not a big call out culture guy but but yeah it's like Sometimes you just have to ask yourself, like, why, why do I like this person that killed someone or molested someone, but not this other person that killed or molested someone? You know, it's, it's, it's funny the the, well, I don't like anybody that molested anyone. But, sure. Sure. But, but because I don't think, what, but then we get to Roman Polanski, right? Then we can go there. Example. Yeah. People and people forget. Yeah. People, and it's like, what it's that, that American amnesia is so fascinating and it's it's it has all to do with our our celebrity worship and it's 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 so easy for us to do it it's weird because it's yeah he's a trip because like repulsion and chinatown oh my god and it's just like i get people might get passes because of sorts because of um what they bring to culture and i guess they can manipulate emotion right right we can manipulate emotion with things that's like films good, that's a super good way to put it yeah yeah and then um whereas if he didn't have that he would have just been rotting in prison instead of on the ski slopes in the alps <laughs> yeah yeah and i think i and i think once you get wealthy you just you just get start getting weird you just start you start running out of you start running out of things that excite you so you just start getting fucking weird you know what i mean it's like it's I mean, has there ever been a well-adjusted celebrity? It's it kind of boggles the mind. I think the Kardashians are okay. <laughs> Super well-adjusted. No, I you know I couldn't even tell you what they look like. I just know people talk about them a lot. But uh, yeah, same. Yeah, it's <laughs> who knows. Yeah, Gabe, thanks for so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Tony. It's always a pleasure. Gabriel Hart on Drinks with Tony. Check out his new book fallout from over asphalt hell next week on the show we have barry adamson from magazine nick cave and the bad seeds and quite the solo career himself we'll discuss his memoir and more and his memoir is called 
up above the city, down beneath the stars. Stay tuned for next week. Enjoy your weekend and continue to enrich your life with the written word. I'm trying to be a normal guy, but something will not let me To remove myself from that myth of success that leaves me empty Not striving for royalty in this world of mediocrity But the lies of heaven, they just won't let me be Don't it make you angry when they say how blessed they are, they're crazy Like hotels boasting as mansions still boasting are their vacancy can cram every room with the crowd Still the outside looks lonely All the lies of heaven like the Easter Bunny Whose mask is off and chain smoking I was only given one costume skin I already feel my blood boiling within So don't tell me about your artistic passion with all my own Trying to enjoy the ride, but what is that beneath me? I'm inclined to the fear of heights, the distance between you and me. But I'm so down to earth now that I've completely lost my feet. All the lies of heaven make you numb with defeat And nothing left to believe in Every philosophy's tailored to deceive The way you can't just grab any excuse you need And all those fucking thick articles you read The tendencies gone by your own right